Opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who have supported me through this journey. Grief is universal and one of the most painful things that we will experience in our lifetime. The loss of a loved one impacts each aspect of our lives. However, we rarely address grief in the workplace. Most organizations don't account for how grieving at work can impact employee engagement and wellness. Today, our topic is grief in a workplace, and my guest today is Maria Bolanik. Now, Marina's journey was shaped by her son's years of cancer and his eventual passing, ignited by a mission to reframe how grief is viewed. She wanted to help mothers feeling lost in grief and doubt, struggling against numbness and whispers of uncertainty. For years, she grappled with a sense of something being wrong, feeling like she wasn't grieving correctly and the pressure from society to just get over it only made things even more challenging. The well-intentioned advice from family and friends led to feeling numb and a sense of being stuck. Her guidance based on personal experience allowed her to relate to anyone's grief and loss. She created Healing Heart, Your Path to Hope. As a certified grief educator, her commitment is to meet you where you are now. Welcome to the show, Maria. It is so great to have you on today. Andrew, thank you so much. It is an honor to be here with you. And of course, to talk about, as I call it now, my favorite topic. (laughs) Oh, yes. How are things with you? What's new with you in your world, Maria? You know what? I mean, in my world, it's fine. It's just when you look at the world in general and all the catastrophes, that are happening right now. I look at it and go, yeah, grief is everywhere. Whether we want to give it its own space or not, I look at it and think people really have a hard time, as you said, in the sense of recognizing that they're in grief because it's sometimes covered with so much other things. Yeah, for sure. I do believe that people do have a hard time with it. They don't know how to deal with it or they can't think of ways to help somebody dealing with it. So I just thought that this was a great conversation that I wanted to have today. I thought it was important and I'm thinking that it's going to help a lot of people, even just to think a little bit differently when it comes to grief for sure. Oh, definitely. And it is sort of that last, I don't know if you want to call it the frontier or not. Uh, We see so much happening in the world. And we never think it's going to happen to us. I'm looking right now, uh, and of course, it's made, it's a huge impact, uh, the fire in Hawaii, especially uh, on the island of Maui. And looking at my own province, all the wildfires that we have, and that's really like, I mean, there's the trauma and there's the grief. And in some ways, that's what grief does. It displaces you. Mm -hmm. I mean, physically, You may not have lost a home. Like, I mean, when we're looking now in things that are happening, yes, a lot of people have lost their homes. When you're losing a loved one, there is a displacement that happens too. It's something like our physical bodies and our minds, our emotions kind of separate. So there's a displacement of self. I totally agree with you there for sure. 
So why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about you and your story? I know I said a little bit in the intro, but I'd like to hear a little bit more. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I can actually share my story now without crying. I think for the longest time, or any time I spoke about my son, Stefan, it did. I mean, sometimes it still brings tears to my eyes, but I do remember more without the pain. And that's sometimes what happens with grief. You know, it was just one of those things. Um, We hear so much about how cancer touches lives. And I guess we were sort of, you know, in our little safe bubble bubble not ever imagining that cancer would affect our life. And when it did, I mean, my son was 16 when he got diagnosed and he lived with a rare blood cancer for 11 years till it changed. And then it became a rare form of leukemia that of course there is no cure for. And then he passed away. And at times I kind of think, okay, you know, we lived through that roller coaster of cancer and got used to it. It was one of those things where you kind of dealt with all the the downslides, you know, the crises, all these things that happen in cancer when I don't know, is my son going to make it? If it's not, then he does. And you're on these ups and downs sort of roller coaster and it becomes a way of life. And then of course, when he passed away, everything crashed because I had expected that we would just live this way for, for many more years. And even though I think my brain knew that his chances of survival were, of course, numbered, because anytime anyone has an illness, you know that the chances of survival, you sort of like playing, I don't know, not the lottery, but a numbers game, even though I was aware that any of us at any time could die. So it was never really in my thinking. And one of the things is that we are never prepared for when our loved one dies. And it doesn't matter whether they have an illness or what the age is, it's always still unexpected. And I know that people have always, you know, told me, oh, well, you knew he was going to die because he had an illness, but it's still unexpected. And I think that's one of the frames that we need to look at is that when someone passes away, when it's your own loved one, We never think about it. And because of that, I think it gives a a shock to the body. It gives a shock to our system, uh, to our emotional system, our spirit, to everything. And for me, because I guess we had dealt with cancer for so many years, I completely shut down and I hadn't realized that. And that's where my journey had sort of started in the sense of for 10 years, I was numb. And through those 10 years, I really didn't realize that I was numb because there's a lot of emotions that are combined all together. So I always go, this numbness just means that you can function and you look like you're present in the world, but you're really not. So it's sort of being at a standstill, looking out the window, the world still continues on and it's changing. And yet the person in grief feels like nothing has changed because their world has shattered. And that's the way I felt. Yeah, I um, I can definitely see that. Both of my parents are gone. And I can definitely see that when someone else, they lose a family member or parent, that I, I think I used to say that I understood. And after they were both gone, 
I changed my wording to, I don't fully understand what you're going through, but I sympathize because I realized when it happened to me, it was totally different compared to what had happened to others. So I totally understand everything that you said there. It really does. It changes the view, like our lenses, our perception. It's the same thing. I think sometimes when we're watching something from far away. So I know when we're in grief at times, I mean, I was getting frustrated by non-grievers because we do live in a grief illiterate world. And and I also have to admit, I was grief illiterate. So sometimes I look at it going, how can I be angry at someone else when I probably did the same thing? I probably said the wrong thing to other people that had lost a loved one. And it's one of those things that really makes me stop and think. And that's where sort of the the judgment kind of goes, because it's like, oh, wow, I probably was just as bad. However, sometimes when we're in it, we're in so much pain, we're wounded, that at times we kind of lash out. Yeah, I can totally see that for sure. What I would like to know from you, Maria, is what you think workplace grief is. So I guess workplace grief could be a lot of things. It could be someone who has lost a loved one and and is going back to work. One of the things I find is that workplaces really don't give enough time for someone to grieve. It's kind of like, okay, here's the couple of weeks off, attend the funeral, do the funeral arrangements, all that kind of stuff. And we expect you back at work, back to being who you were beforehand, not realizing that People have changed. And that's kind of a a word to sort of say, because I don't really want to say that you changed. Something's different. Uh, Because you yourself are still yourself. It's just, I think there's these emotions that we don't know how to deal with that we bring with us. Because, and at times, if people want to share, they're not allowed to share because everybody's looking at them like, yeah, okay, sorry, I don't want to hear that. Sorry, it's too sad. Uh, can you please talk about something more happier? And it really depends on the individual too, because sometimes there are people that want to be busy. So they want to get back to work as quickly as possible because they figure if they keep busy, then they don't have to deal with their emotions. And emotions eventually catch up. And if they're not expressed properly, then they'll sit in the body. And I know that's exactly what happened for myself is that I ended up getting body aches that I wasn't aware of. But because I wasn't expressing my emotions or I was kind of repressing them, my body started to show signs going, hey, we have to express in some way. So now we're going to express the grief in body aches and pains. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're going to see sometimes with some people is that they themselves develop an illness because they're not... They're not being able to express their grief. It's not that they don't want to. It's at times the people that are around them are basically telling them to, we don't want to hear it. Your feelings are not valid. What you've gone through, it's done and over with. So get on with life. Get over it. It's um, amazing what you were saying there because, well, first off, what I wanted to say is two weeks. There's a lot of companies that give you like three days. Have friends that have had family members that have passed away and they got three days. Wow. To, yeah. To, to get things, you know, go to the funeral, what have you. And, you know, you think about it if you're living in another province or country and you got to go back, it's like you're traveling and then you got to get back. So 
that's one thing that caught my attention. And the other thing is not valid. You hear people talking about their loved one and coworker asks, how you doing or what have you? And you talk about it. And then they kind of change topics because like you said, it's too sad and they don't want to talk about it anymore. And I feel like it's almost that they feel like it's like a cold. You have a cold, a chest cold, or you're, you're sneezing, you know, you'll get over it in a couple of days and you're back to normal. But you mentioned changing. I believe that you do change a little bit. I know myself, I changed because of it. And I think differently about things than I did before. I was a sympathetic guy, but I think I'm even more sympathetic now because of it. I think you do change a little bit. You do. I think what happens is that we start getting back to values, like our own values. I think we look at what is our values, what is our priorities, and certain things. I mean, I know in my case, I looked at things that I had thought was a priority, and then you realize, wow, why did I make that a priority? Like that's sort of uh, silly. Or one of the things that I found is that then some of the things I found that were petty, I found I had no patience for people that were superficial. Uh, you know, sometimes we think, oh, yeah, we have lots of friends and things like that. And when you go through something traumatic, when you go through a loved one that passes away, it really shows you who is around you, who is supportive, who then basically, they don't really want to say allow, but is really there listening to what you have to say, which means listening is sharing your feelings, what you're thinking, talking about your person. Because that is where I find sometimes is quite daunting. It's like, here's a person who existed, and you could talk about them while they were alive. Then all of a sudden, they pass away, and everybody else acts like they were never there. Because they don't want you to either mention their names or to even share stories about them. And then that just makes it even more so, I think, for the person who's grieving in the sense of you feel like, wow, I I can't even share about the person I loved, whether it's a child, whether it's a parent, whether it's a partner. Yeah, it's sad for sure. I totally understand that. So how does grief affect the workplace in your opinion? Well, I think for in the workplace, I mean, I was very fortunate that I was self, well, self-employed, but I still had to work with people. A, and it depends on where you're working. I think if you're in a corporate environment, people are still expecting you to be what you were beforehand. And at times, if you're dealing with people, you may not have the patience to deal with people anymore. And I don't know if workplaces kind of look at or even ask you, you know, is it a better fit if we put you someplace else? Now, not having worked in the corporate world, I really don't know how that all the pieces fall together. But one of the things you would feel that if they would have compassion, if they would kind of say, okay, you know, maybe you need more time, maybe you need less time, but at least talk to the person and kind of feel like, what is it that they want? What is it like, do they need reduced hours? Do they need to maybe change a different department for a little bit without sort of looking at that they don't lose their status? And I think that's one of the aspects with the corporate world is that you're always afraid that if you made it to a certain level, will you be losing that? 
Yeah, I would think also too that I agree with you that they just want you back to work because I could see some coworkers not being compassionate and like, well, when so and so coming back to work because I've been working crazy hours since they've been gone. When are they back so that the workload can go back their direction? So they're kind of thinking in their terms, and, you know, but maybe not thinking, well, they just lost somebody that's really close to them. What could they possibly be going through or how are they feeling and what are they dealing with? And just being, like I said, a little bit more compassionate would be what you'd think that some people would be thinking. But unfortunately, I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't think that. And you're so right. There's a lot of people, whether it's your employer or whether it's um, your co-workers that don't have this compassionate side to them. Um, you know, they do maybe for five minutes. And yet sometimes you're thinking, does someone get compassionate leave like maternity leave? Like, do you make it a year, 18 months? And I get it that it's a fine balance on how someone is. I mean, I know, I think for my work, I did kind of go back because it was a way to keep busy. And so it's like a detach, like you're there, but you're detached. So there's like a, a bit of a numbness to it. But I do remember at times because I was dealing with clients, getting upset with them. And, um, because of the job that I was in, it was okay to kind of tell them off in a nice way, of course, because right? I was dealing with sales. So it was sort of like, you know, you guys are on this when, you know, life is more important sort of thing. So it just depends, I think, on the work environment. And there are like, especially if you're in a small company, a lot of small companies aren't going to give you any time off. I think they even have a hard time even for maternity leave. So if you're in a larger company, but even sometimes larger companies are not very compassionate, even when things happen in the workforce. So one of the aspects that I've learned is that when an employer really values their employees and is compassionate, they actually, I think the company does way better than companies that are constantly um, micromanaging. For sure. their employees, right? They're constantly on top of them. Like, you can't do this. You can't do that. And it actually leaves a bad feeling, I think. And that's what happens in grief is that a lot of times a griever in a workforce may not feel that their employer really cares about them. And I think a lot of people kind of stay in the jobs and then, or they quit, depending on, of course, the relationship of who passed away and how close they were. Yeah, I feel like you could be in a situation where you just come back to work after being off because a family member passed away. And I could just see situations where the person's back to work and something happens and they make a mistake and someone is totally like upset with them because of that mistake and it's going to take so much time to fix it. First of all, I think mistakes can be fixed. I don't think that there's any drastic thing that can't be fixed. Anything can be fixed. But especially in that scenario, I think you could have a little bit more compassion for what the person has gone through. And even though they're bad, like you said earlier, that even though we're back to work, it doesn't mean that we're okay. We're just back to work. In a lot of cases, we have to be back to work. So, you know, maybe we're not 
ready to be back, but we're back. So have a little bit of compassion and sympathy for what we could be going through, what we could be thinking, and just work with them to fix whatever the problem was or what the issue was. Well, it is because, as you say, I mean, when we think now, a lot of employers are aware of mental health. They're uh, aware of different aspects. And yet, when it comes to grief, this is all all of it sort of wrapped up. Because grief encompasses so much. It does affect your mental health. It affects your emotional health and it affects your physical health. And it's all wrapped up in that. And yet, as you say, there are co-workers that will look at you kind of like, okay, yeah, great. Her, her, you know, her parents passed away, like big deal. They were old. So, but that's not the point. The point is, doesn't matter the age, say it was your parents that passed away. It's not so much about the age. It's your relationship and they are your loved ones. And I really feel that grievers and their loved ones deserve respect. Yeah, I totally agree with you 100% on that. I think we can have a little bit more compassion, a little bit more sympathy. If we say we care about our coworkers or if leaders say they care about their team, then you can give a little bit more sympathy and compassion for sure. There, There is, depending on what it is. I mean, I understand everyone goes through different traumas, right? There's a the trauma of divorce. There's so much. And yet sometimes... We give leeway for certain aspects and then for others, we don't, which really sometimes you sort of look at kind of going, we need to become more of a compassionate society and even workplaces need to be a a bit more uh, compassionate rather than, I mean, when you're looking at any company right now, it just seems that everything comes down to the bottom dollar. Like what's my, what's the profit margin? We all understand businesses need to make money to be afloat. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, I think there are good companies out there that look at the the wholeness and taking care of their employees and are still making a profit, but are doing it in a, in a great balance. So how do we support a coworker that is grieving? So we know that, you know, they're coming back to work. What are some suggestions that you have that you could say to a coworker that could be sympathetic or compassionate to them to help them to go through the process a little bit easier? One, um, if you're asking them how they are, always put today, like, how are you doing today? And if you're asking them if they need anything, offer what you're going to be doing. Okay. All right. Like, you know, sometimes there's that open ended. Oh, if you need help, let me know realistically come up with how you're going to help them. Um, If you see that they're kind of stressed out going, hey, I can do that for you. Would you like me to? And so allow them to sort of give you that direction of whether they want you to do it or not. Like you can offer a solution, but wait for them to answer. And if you see them crying, don't go up and give them a box of tissues. Just kind of lay it either on their desk or on the floor beside them. You know, so that way you're aware that they're crying, but you're not making a big deal about it. And because when you're throwing, uh, not throwing, but when you're handing them tissues like right underneath their face, it's almost like telling them stop crying. Whatever emotions they're going through, just allow them to to be that. And just kind of say, look, 
would you like to share? And I could listen. But if you're going to do that, really listen and ask about their loved one. Ask them what, you know, and that and leave it up to them whether they're willing to share. One of the things that I always say is don't ask people of how their loved one died. If a griever wants to share that with you, they will. I find people are always curious to know how someone died. And I always go, does it really matter? You know that they died. And I think one of the biggest peeves is, of course, or even for someone, is don't ask them to to get better or to sort of say, oh, when are you getting over it? Like some of the cliches and platitudes need to stop. Allow the griever to grieve in their own way. And if they need a private spot, like five minutes, because something's activated them, have them have that break. Like be a little bit more flexible, even in time. And even for coworkers, just kind of either ask them how they're doing and always put okay, or if there's things that you can do for them. And just, I guess, recognize that they're grieving because that's one of the biggest thing is that grievers feel like they're invisible in the sense that no one sees their pain. And I think if you're, if people can validate their experience and saying, wow, you've gone through a lot and that's it, like not to give cliches or platitudes because I think cliches and platitudes always make someone else sometimes a bit angry. I love the how you're doing, not just how you're doing, how are you doing today? I just love that because especially going back to work, you don't ask, especially after going through what you've gone through, your days are going to be different. So you could go in on the first day and you can be okay. And then the next day, you have more thoughts of it or something, like you said, something triggered a memory and the next day could not be very good. So I love the today part because they say take it one day at a time. So that today means so much and a coworker or even a leader just saying that to somebody just coming back to work, I think would make them so much more comfortable and like you said, not be invisible. Mm-hmm. And a griever's going to find a way to deal with any with what activates them. And that's the thing, because sometimes something could bring up some sadness. Someone could say a word or it's a scent. And it has to be that flexibility that someone can pick themselves up, go into a quiet room whether it's the washroom, whether it's a lunchroom or an office, just to sit with themselves for five to 10 minutes to sort of collect their thoughts, collect their feelings, and then come back out, right? It's kind of like a bio break, but a grief break. No, for sure. Those are such great tips there. I just love those. And I'm sure listeners are going to love those. And I'm sure that there's a lot of things that you said there I know there's a lot of things that I have done, like passing the box of clinics to somebody that's crying. I'm sure I've done that a thousand times for somebody because that's just a thing that you think to do. But I can see what you're saying by like, you know, handing them the box of Kleenex. It's almost like, like you said, okay, you can stop crying now when they need to let out their emotion and they need to let it go when they're grieving process they need to do it so by telling them to to you know handing a box of kleenex to tell them to 
stop crying, it's almost like, okay, enough now, get back to what you were doing. So I can definitely see that for sure. And and these, I mean, I'm always learning new tips, (laughs) even for myself. But one of the things is really for a griever to set boundaries, but to also understand that how they grieve is going to be different than someone else. And I think sometimes workplaces and a lot of people still follow thinking that there's these steps or stages. And that is something that I feel needs to be taken out of our vocabulary because there are no stages in grief. Grief is fluid like the ocean. Mm -hmm. It has its ebbs and flows. Like with anything, as you said beforehand, some days you could feel like, okay, today I'm, it's a good day. Other days, it's a a crappy day. And it's okay to have those days and to recognize them and to voice them. If you could choose one word to describe yourself, what word would that be? Oh, for myself, um, I actually call myself the unapologetic griever. (laughs) Because okay. I'm not going to apologize for grieving, for, for grieving my son. Yes, there's uh, joy in my life. There's, you know, life is to be lived. I've come to a point where there's hope, where there's an inner peace. And there are times when I want to fully grieve my son where I'm crying. And to me, it's kind of like I'm not going to apologize for whatever emotions I have. I totally agree with you 100% there. I think that nobody should tell anybody what they should feel or how they should feel about any situation. I would never tell anybody how they should grieve or how they should feel about the loss of somebody. I would never do that. So I just think that everybody, like you said, grieves differently for sure. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much for saying that, uh, Andrew, because that is so true. And one of the aspects that I found is that as grievers, because we've gone through that experience and we've gone through all of this, we become compassionate towards others. We can see other people's wounds, other people's hurts. I see it too. I've seen it before, but yes, I agree with you. I actually see it more when someone says to me, they're not having a good day or whatever. My spidey senses go off and right away I'm on what's going on mode and how can I help mode because there were people there for me when I was going through my grief and I'm going to do it for them as well. So whatever I can do, even if it's just to listen, I'm going to be there no matter what for sure. So I totally get that. And that is so right. And I thank you so much. And really that's what a griever wants is to be acknowledged and to be validated. They want to be seen, heard, valued, and understood. That's pretty much my saying. And that's not just for grieving, but for workplace, for whatever situation. That's what anybody wants, I would think. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts today? Yes. uh, As well, I'm sending much love to your audience and to anyone who is going through the trauma of grief and to know that you are not alone, that to give yourself compassion. Uh, That's a big one for me is learning how to give yourself compassion like you would to any friend, because sometimes we're harder on ourselves. So again, it comes back to compassion. (laughs) For sure. 
I want to thank you. I just love this conversation. Like I said to you before we started taping, I've been wanting to have this conversation with you for the longest time. I feel that specifically, I think anywhere, but specifically in a workplace setting, I feel like it's something that needed to be said and talked about. And I do believe that our listeners are going to definitely take something from it and are going to thoroughly enjoy it for sure. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for inviting me in and having this conversation with you. It was an honor and a pleasure. I don't think I would have had this conversation with anybody else but yourself. I truly listened to you in other venues. And like I said, I just had to have you on and have this discussion. And I thought it was fantastic. So thank you again. Thank you. Touches my heart. You're very welcome. On behalf of myself and my guest, Maria, I would like to thank you all for listening today. And until next time, be safe. And remember, if we all work together, we can accomplish anything. You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe.